Hey guys, welcome back. The 831 Podcast, episode 7. Um, yeah, not as busy as I'd like to be on the podcasting of late. I've had a few uh, personal things going on and been dealing with some stuff and busy work, etc. Um, been meaning to get one put out for a while, but uh, yeah, a little, a little few things have stopped it and... Um, I appreciate people messaging me asking and my buddy Lee Magnals uh, keeps on at me saying, dude, when are you putting a new podcast out? So I do want to get more of these put out as much as possible and I do need to just get like a, a backlog of guests that I'm working on now and uh, just have people lined up so I can just drop in and do them um, and get more put out really because I really enjoy it. Uh, a few people have said that they really enjoy it so I'd like to do some more work on it and start putting more out there. Today I'm joined by Tom Blackman. Um, I've been wanting to put this podcast together for a while. Tom's a, a friend of mine. We go back many years, 12, 13, 14, 15, you know, like years. We go back years, work together on the door. Used to hang out a lot together. Um, Tom's been active on the bodybuilding scene for a long time. Um, super cool guy, super, super knowledgeable, um, and it was great to sit down and talk to him, he owns an awesome gym in Bristol called Ministry of Fitness, uh, at the forefront of, of training facilities in Bristol, really, Ministry of Fitness is, and while we're checking out, his experience in bodybuilding is, you know, the highest level in the UK, he also has his own podcast, and yeah, uh, just an all-round really cool guy. A few subjects that I wanted to talk about and we covered. And, you know, it's uh, there's a lot about training, a lot about steroids, a lot about nutrition. Um, Tom's one of those guys, if we start talking about nutrition, everyone will benefit from listening to him. If we talk about training, everyone can benefit from talking about training. If you're specifically, if you're into bodybuilding, etc., then the podcast will be very informative. Um, and if you're into nutrition and it'll be very informative also but even if you just enjoy hearing and talking about training and nutrition etc then yeah this is a this is a great podcast i had fun it was interesting um and i enjoyed putting it together as always this podcast is brought to you of course by trojan nutrition um my long-term sponsors so please hit them up for all your true all your training or nutritional needs within Bristol the Southwest etc hit those guys up tell them I sent you mention the podcast um, Matty and the guys there I look after you also sponsored by Dirty Burgers go and check out Dirty Burgers uh, burger restaurant in Bristol still by far the best burger you're going to get in Bristol um, they've given me no money they invited me to a pre-opening to try food and let me do that for free. And that is literally the extent of my Dirty Burgers sponsorship is that. They do, they haven't given me any money or anything. I just think that a young business starting out in an industry like the catering industry, it's hard enough as it is. And when I really did enjoy their food as much as I did... I see that if I can help them and promote them, then I'm going to obviously do that. So, sure, hit the guys up at Dirty Burgers. Just even if you just drop them a message and say that you listen to my podcast and you, you're you hitting them up. If you go in there and you see them, tell, mention me, mention the podcast. You know, let, let the guys know that they're being supported. That would be great. So, yeah, Dirty Burgers. 
But yeah, back to Tom. Um, I'm going to sit back and have a listen to this one again. Um, I don't usually do that, but I enjoy talking to Tom. It was fun. and So I'm going to have a little sit back and listen, and I'm going to get this um, out to you guys. So please, hit me up with any feedback. Always looking for new guests. If you feel like you you can add anything, drop me a message. We'll try and get something sorted out. And Tom, again, I'll put all his contact details, etc. there. So... Feel free to link up with Tom and and uh, follow what he's doing as well. So yeah, here it is, the Eight Three One Podcast, Episode Seven, is Tom Blackman. Okay, so. Uh... Episode 7, I think we're on at the minute, released episodes, um, and I'm joined by Tom Blackman. I've been looking forward to getting you on for ages, Tom, thanks for uh, sitting down. No problem, happy to be here. Good, I, uh, the reason you've been like at the forefront of my mind is, like, we obviously go way back, and we had like a big period of where we were close, and we hung out, and it was really cool, and then you were like more into competing then, and training, and... Uh, then you became like, I guess, because of your personality, like super geeked on what you were gonna do. You know, you weren't one of those guys like me with MMA. Guess you weren't one of those guys who was just gonna compete bodybuilding, take some juice, get on a stage, yeah, good. You, you were gonna get into it big time. And then now we're at a point where I would say you're probably a, an authority in the in the Bristol area, southwest, probably within the whole community, an authority on your bodybuilding supplements steroids etc you know uh yeah i did um i think we we used to work on the the door together years ago didn't we and uh, yeah. and um i think cadillac was the last time working together which yeah. was i think 12 years ago something like that yeah long ass yeah. Time ago. yeah it's been shut down for two so so it is a long time yeah, then long god time, i feel yeah. old um but so so yeah then i went to um i got more into competing in bodybuilding um and then I opened the gym, and sort of bodybuilding, competing, became a, a very much a back back step for me. Um, and then about a couple of years ago, I did a documentary on competing, which we covered um, performance enhancing drugs and all the other things that go along with um, uh, with competing in, in in bodybuilding. Yeah, that was on YouTube. Was it no? Was it YouTube? Vimeo. Or was it Vimeo? Yeah, we, we um, it was called Prep the Series, and we launched it on Vimeo, um, and it was like a six part documentary, which yeah. was released every couple of weeks um and it was the run-up to the show and then to the british um so it, and and you know when me and paul did it we thought this is going to be just something for us so we can show our grandkids yeah. that we used to be big that sort of thing yeah. and actually i think we had something like fifteen thousand downloads or something yeah i mean it was amazing i uh i loved it and i love that format of releasing stuff as you go like a sort of a real-time um release of what's happening much the same as say like the UFC countdowns are filmed where mm. they release a bit and you release a bit more and you keep people I really love that format and I think it get it captivates more what you're trying to do as opposed to here's a start here's a middle bit here's a finish and there's loads of bits in between that are lost I think your series was produced really really well and came across great in viewing you know yeah I think um, James Grealish did the did the mm-hmm. filming and um, he's um, he's just a brilliant filmmaker yeah. um, and he would he would turn up at the gym with all his gizmos and and said oh let's let's do this today let's do that today and his um we, we had no idea why he was 
filming certain things and then when he put them in, put into production they just looked awesome yeah. um, but yeah it's a really good series and um, like you said there's, there was the thing about the steroids and, and gear as, we, as you call it in bodybuilding it is something that people always ask you so I mean I don't really get it now because I'm a bit older and everything else so when I was younger the question I got asked was never how much protein do you eat or you know how much how many times a week do you train it was always oh yeah what gear you on and yeah. yeah what do you take and everything else um and even if you're honest with people they didn't believe what you were taking yeah, yeah. Uh, they always thought it was supposed to be more um yeah. <laughs> than, than what it was is that thing in i think in uh people they think you need to have a lot of things um to get big and overindulgence yeah people i think that's um the way society is anyway now right like you haven't just got one pair of Le on shoes you want three and then you want you don't just want a Porsche you want the best Porsche and you want so I think that's the the indulgence same with people drink out drinking alcohol they think I'm this big because I took a bit of gear my mate who's also taking gear is that big but he's taking two meal more Deca a month so I need to up it's never this is what works for my body it's I want to take more because I want overindulge I want to be bigger I want this I want that yeah and the um and I suppose it, it it doesn't help in a way that um, you, you get certain high-profile things. Like just recently, there's been a couple of deaths of bodybuilders or people related in the bodybuilding world. Yeah. Um, so had um, Dallas McCarver, um, I think it was a few a few uh, few weeks ago, um, uh, d- died because of, of, of choking on um, something. Yeah. But now the autopsy has been released and. Um, and it was it it was actually he had a lot of health problems, um, and and a lot of them it it, it would seem stemmed from um, a lot of drug use. Yeah. Uh, and then you had um, uh, Rich Piana as well, yeah. who's who owned the Five Percent Nutrition, um, and he uh, he died as well. Um, I think from a cocktail of different drugs he was using. Yeah. Um, but because they're both very big guys and very prominent, and people want to to emulate them um yeah you uh yeah you, you get that thing where people think oh that's what you need to get big and then they go um and then that's that they go overboard and what they're taking um yeah exactly i mean i uh you you see things like uh with dallas and rich and that and people i mean rich was obviously extreme of extreme even his videos about eating food etc mm. were um were extreme when you watch him on youtube he was just a big extreme guy so people watch that and they want to be big and extreme as well and what people are not realizing is the underlying stuff that maybe steroid use is not going to be the problem but underlying things that can come into effect you know if you've naturally got high blood pressure and then you're taking a huge amount of gear instead of taking an amount of gear that works and keeps your blood pressure blood pressure appropriate or you're getting yourself tested these guys are like 18 20 years old now banging gear in never seeing a doctor and not thinking about what might be underlying with them personally they're just taking gear to want to look good in a tight top yeah it's um i think the um the issue is is that um first of all uh, gear is not what it used to be in terms of quality um yeah. and certainly 10 15 years ago when i was sort of starting out in sort of bodybuilding competition the um the the gear you would get would be proper pharmaceutical grade and yeah. um it would all be probably either bought from abroad and then brought in or or maybe stolen from a truck or something yeah. where whereas now the majority of the gear that's used is um uh underground lab manufacture so you would get 
um, raw products from China, which you then mix and then and then sell. Um, but the problem with that is that obviously you've got the, first of all the purity issue coming from China. Possibly it's not the hundred percent that it should be. But then you've also got people who are owning these labs want to um, they want to make as much money as possible. Yeah. So they there's potentially a, a problem with underdosing. Um, so the the doses that we used a couple of years ago with bodybuilders now it's more like twice as much but actually even though they're so say taking twice as much saying they're getting the same yeah because although there it says on the label 200 mega test or whatever it might only be 100 so they're yeah. tasting double that to get the effects and then saying think oh i have to take this much so it's double yeah. but in actual fact it might be less than that or people just like you said just go overboard and they think that more is better um and exacerbate existing health problems which that's not obviously the best thing to do yeah and the, it's the naivety for, I mean I'm I would say I'm probably uh, when it comes to steroids I probably have enough information to get myself in trouble that's what I would say I have yeah. I, as in like you know I know a fair bit about steroids what certain steroids use for what I mean I, I've never taken them and as I'm now 34 years old te- my career trading off and my body's bashed I regret not taking steroids because it turns out every fucker's been taking steroids. <laughs> so I, I used to tra- be training, I'd be looking at UFC and I'd be like, everyone's a clean athlete. It turns out, <clears> no, every fucker's taking steroids, you know? And yeah. I never t- I've never taken anything and I, uh, it's somewhat a regret now because I think how many injuries I might have been able to prevent it or how many injuries could I've got myself back a bit better. Could, but these guys are, are taking steroids. I say these guys, look, I'm not generalising, you know, just the people that are doing this are taking steroids and for me i would be thinking right i need to check with my doctor see how my blood pressure sits i need to check if i've got any ailments with my heart just have a look how i am if i'm going to take steroids to get big not for performance enhancing if i'm going to take them to increase my body mass to a size it's not natural for my frame get big and walk around to that every day i want to make sure and i see these guys and i'm like that's that doesn't come into their head they're just Taking steroids, like like it's um, unconsequential for them to just take steroids and be big, you know. Yeah. So the issue with that is, um, unlike other drugs, so say if you, example, um, going to go out on a night out and take an ecstasy tab or a couple of lines of coke or whatever, there's a there's a certain amount of that drug which, if you take, would be fatal yeah. with as in an overdose. Um, but the the issue with 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 steroids is that y- you could take a lot of steroids in one go. And it wouldn't be a life-threatening issue. Yeah. So you could, example, take a hundred Dynabol tablets all in one go, and another person could take a hundred Paracetamol, and it would be the Dynabol that didn't kill you. Yeah. Um. So th- there's the issue. There's no immediate accountability, and um, sometimes you get with people. You know, you always go out on a night out, get too drunk, or take too much, whatever. Wake up in the morning. Oh, I'm never doing that again. There's there's an immediate accountability, but with steroids, the the issues build up over years and months. And by the time you've got the health issues, it's like, well, I can't really not do it again because I've already been doing it for five or six or whatever years. Um, so the immediate regret is not there. Um, and then you've got the consequences of having to deal with heart enlargement or liver toxicity or kidney issues or, or, or whatever thing that's happened or high blood pressure is generally one of the most um, dangerous ones. That Those sorts of things... Are, are things that don't come on straight away yep. so there's no immediate of taking too much I better not do that much again you you can super dose for a long time 
get results, look big, and then at the end of it, oh yeah, I've got a little bit of liver issues. Yeah. And for in mentality of athletes is that there's an amount of, I suppose, risk that they can take to get the result. Yeah. So if you if you say to someone, you know, would you uh, would you like to win this million pound race or this three million pound race? But it would mean you would you would take half an hour off your life. Yeah, they would, yeah, 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 exactly. You know. Because I mean, I think from being a professional athlete for so long, we're all egotistical, and you get other people who that 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 ego transfers over into their personal life, and they're always egotistical. And then you get people who are egotistical athletes. Every athlete's egotistical. They want to be the best, and they want to perform their best at doing that thing and beat everybody else there. You know, like I have to be faster. I have to be better. I have to. So you have to be. Um, selfish and you have to be egotistical and you have to say like especially in fighting I guess you know like because you have to look at another man and think I'm going to beat this guy up you know like so I think when you have that if you offer somebody something that I mean the Lance Armstrong thing was a perfect example like every fucker's doing something and Lance Armstrong just was going to be the best at doing the thing that everybody was doing mm. so the thing wasn't bike racing anymore Lance Armstrong wasn't going to be the best at bike racing Lance Armstrong everyone was taking gear so Lance Armstrong was going to be the best at taking gear to be the best at taking bike to winning bike racing and uh, I think that's how it is you get offered a solution to the problem of listen you're, you're probably going to win this because you're great but you want to guarantee you're going to win this and you're going to be the guy you're going to be the poster boy this guy's going to get especially with fighting this guy's going to get punched in the face and he's going to earn ten grand. You're going to get punched in the face. You're going to win. You're going to be the poster boy. You're going to, you know, getting punched in the face is consequential. You're going to retire with a legacy. It's so much temptation to then take that and not realize. And I'm not talking maybe in the in the higher end like UFC, although it's obviously very prominent in UFC. That's been Nowitzki's like sorted that, and Usada have exposed how prominent it is in UFC. But um, in MMA, in the lower ranks, you're not going to any Saturday night. MMA fight and see how many guys are you know you're obviously juicing. Um, you think for for winning a fight that eventually is going to have very very little impact on your life in the long run. You've taken this little option that's going to boom. Which I mean I'm pro steroid. I'm very pro steroid and like my I don't believe my brother would be the guy who he is if he never took steroids. Ash was like a shy, quiet, reserved, quite body conscious guy, little chubby. Started taking some gear, started training, started working on the door. Confidence went through the roof. Liked how he looked. Would walk around on a, with a vest on instead of a jumper. And I think it changed who he was and really, really helped him. So I'm pro, really pro steroid. But I think people really need to know, you know, it's not just because this thing's not hurting me. In the fucking long run, this this might bite you in the bum, you know. Yeah, let's hope everybody does know Ash is on gear because they, they really no, do now. <laughs> so people come up on the door when Ash is a monster. People come up on the door and they'd be like, ah, fucking hell, mate, you're big. And Ash would be like, yeah, I'm on Decca and Sus. And they're like, what? He's like, well, you're going to fucking ask me at some point. Let's just get it away. Yeah, I take gear. I mean, he was super upfront about it, you know. And, so, and like, he, when he came off gear, hated it at first. He's like, because oh, they were trying for a kid and suddenly yeah. dropped all gear. He's like, now he's he's back to the point that I'd love to take gear and be big again, but then I get the hassle of always wanting to be big. Then so he's in a, a bit now. Shall I up it or not? You know it, that that's a, that's another situation with um because if you've um, 
you know, you've never uh, taken anything. Um, whereas you might have won some more fights if you did. Just think about that. <laughs> One <laughs> would be nice. Win a fight would be nice. I'm on the gear tomorrow, just in case I get a fight. Come on. <laughs> but yeah, as soon as you um, as soon as you start down that road, every workout is better. Every fight is better. And I, I never thought professional what you did. I, I used to do a bit of kick, um, kickboxing and some jujitsu years ago, and I competed at jujitsu when I was a kid. Um, obviously, never any gear then. But the way it's gone now is martial arts is is quite rife with it as you as you said, um, and once you've once you've had something like that, it's just it's you like Superman, you can punch harder, kick harder, lift more, do more bike riding, whatever you're doing, you can do more of it, and having that that sort of superpower and then getting it taken away by coming off, that that's the real addiction. It's not really you know physically addictive, but the psychological aspects of it of you know, I'm now less powerful. I'm less of a in inverted commas man than yeah. I was, but um, before that, I think that's the issue. And um, and then you've got the so you've got that. Then you've got the mentality that well, I I got these results last time. So if I want more results, I'll just do more. Um, there's there's not the thought of excuse me continuous progression. So as yeah. in, okay, I'll I'll, I'll do the gear to get me to a certain level of anabolism and strength and everything else and then that level I can then use to develop my physique or my fighting or whatever there is always the more 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 each time um, but the way the body works is you raise it to a certain level of androgens etc then it adapts to that yeah. you don't generally need to keep on increasing the dose um, it's, it's a, and if you look at guys who are uh, if we're just talking bodybuilders who are like 20 stone guys and they're okay their use might be big or it might not be they might just be genetically freaky guys but if you look if you look at their use of, of gear that's what they've progressed up to in yeah. the however many seven ten years they've been bodybuilding when they first started they would have hopefully <laughs> fingers crossed uh, been on moderate doses as in compared to what they are now yeah. And as they've got bigger, and as their muscles have developed, and they've got more receptor sites for testosterone, and, and able to build more muscle and absorb more amino acids and carbohydrates, etc., they're able then to increase the dose and get more results. Um, and I always analogise that to if you think about a, a, a bucket. If you if you fill a bucket and with water, you can't you can't fill it more if you put more water into it. Anything anything extra that is just spillage is, is waste. Yeah. And it's the same essentially with using things like performance enhancing drugs. There's a certain amount you'll t- you'll take to stimulate the correct cascade into the body to grow <clears> muscle, etc. And once you're past that, once you've tipped the domino over, having more is not going to tip that domino over faster or fill that bucket even more. All it's going to do is translate into more side effects, yeah. and that's generally where people are if if they're using a lot. Getting getting all the negatives with, and they've had all the benefits out of what they had previously, and now they're just getting the the negative sides and highlighted negatives because they're just taking more of the negative. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you've got people who uh, will take too much testosterone and get conversion to estrogen. So they'll develop yeah. certain things like gynecomastia, which is like the bitch tits thing, um, bad skin, hair falling out long term, perhaps. Yeah. Um, th- th- there's loads of issues potentially that could rise from gear. But you see a lot of the guys who who've used moderate amounts for a long time and they, they're not dropping dead they're not yeah they're yeah. not dying of anything yeah. um they've been sensible with their use and and like you said right at the beginning about monitoring things like your your blood levels your your liver values kidney output all those sorts of things 
if you are on top of that and you and you you know the the blood pressure is the major one because that can affect how the kidney and liver works and the yeah. heart of course yeah. and cholesterol and uh, all these things all these internal things you won't see from taking too much um if you can keep those in line and keep those in a level which is acceptable in terms of a medical profession then you can you can generally take it without getting any side effects yeah. and, and 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 still develop a very good physique um and thankfully there is companies now such as like medichecks that do blood testing for um for, for like a service they, they you, you pay them a service and then pay them a bit of money and they send you the blood thing to take a swab or whatever and then you send it back and yeah. they tell you if you're um in, in a good way or in a bad way yeah. I th- which i think every fucker who's going to take steroids should do that i do like that's just my mentality i guess but I, I just believe that you should, you know, like you should just, you're not taking a bit of coke to go and have a good time in a party and then you're not going to take coke again for six weeks. You're not taking a, a ecstasy tablet and then you're not going to take a- ecstasy for three months. You're taking a, a steroid that has a prolonged half-life of however long and then you're going to re-inject that again a week later to sustain what you, so you're continually taking something. It's not like sniffing a bit of coke, so people likening it to oh yeah well, it's not as bad for you as coke they'll be not taking coke every day you are gonna have gear in your system every single day why not make sure when this is in your system your body you're getting the right things that are going to work for your body and so i think everybody should get these kits test have it test like right i'm good for this because how many times have you heard i hear this all the fucking time when people come up and talk to me about gear they speak to my brother and he'll be like listen wes knows more than me about talking to wes they start talking to me I'm like oh yeah but my mate said that i should take the i'm like is your what is your mate a doctor? Is he no, but he looks really big. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, listen, my my mate's got long hair, but you can't give me advice about not going bold. Do you know what I mean? It's like, what do you mean your mate told you? Yeah, well, my mate's big, and he told me to take this. Like, well, everyone everyone's got a a mate who's a big Dave. Um, <laughs> so I I I get it. I used to get it a lot. I don't really. Maybe I've got one of those fuck off faces to be fair you now, certainly but. have got one of them <laughs> i've seen it on the door you have one of those faces definitely but but people used to come up to me and go oh yeah mate yeah yeah my mate's a bodybuilder yeah he, he's bigger than you and he's whatever than you and yeah and he, he doesn't train a lot and he only eats mcdonald's and yeah yeah he don't you don't take no roids though yeah he's natural and yeah. i'm like yeah i know the mate you're talking about and he's fucking rinsing it mate yeah. and uh, so, but or the uh they'll say oh yeah um yeah, they're, they're taking this gear and that gear, uh, and my mate told me to take these three things, and that's what's going to make me massive. And yeah. you think, well, yeah, they will, because they're going to just going to fly a load of water retention on you, and they're just going to blow you up. It's not muscle; it's going to blow you up. Yes, you're going to look big in a t-shirt, but it's not muscle. Yeah. Um, and it, there's I just this this week there was um there was a discussion I got involved with um, on a bodybuilding board, and it was. Um, a guy who was adamant, uh, and this come off the back of a post I made about, um, you know, the, the death in the news, about if you're going to push drugs and whatever else to get as big as possible, there, there's a level where that becomes then very risky to your health, and it was it's it's uh, almost impossible to gain a certain amount in a certain time without really pushing the envelope. Um, and this guy got involved in discussion, saying, "Well, I, I've gained." I think something like 12 kilos of, of muscle in 12 weeks or something like that, which is completely impossible. Of course, yeah. You, know, you just can't build 12 kilos of muscle in yeah. 12 weeks. It's, you know, it's that that's that's a silly thing to say. But he was adamant he had done it. And um, 
and 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 he was my body weight when he started, and he's now obviously twelve kilos heavier. But he he, he, a lot, he you know no offense to the guy he, he's not gained that muscle, but he's been told he has yeah. by people who are. I think giving him advice and maybe profiting from his advice, yeah, which shows advice. his lack of knowledge. Which shows he's if he believes he's done. Because I mean, I'm right in thinking that like big, big time bodybuilders. Like, I mean, I'm not big on the bodybuilding scene, so I would say like Ronnie Coleman and Jay Cutler are obviously now like they're not the they're not prominent now, but those guys would put on thirty pounds of weight, let's say, over a season to just retain three to five pounds of muscle by the end when they go on stage. You know, they're putting on huge amounts of extra weight. But they're only retain the actual muscle gain is tiny in comparison, and these guys are putting on that extra weight. Let's say the the thirty pounds. Yeah, I've put on thirty pounds of muscle. No, no. Once you strip, you're going to retain like a small percentage of that as muscle. The rest is bullshit. Yeah. So there's um so so the off season thing with bodybuilding um the way the way it used to be years and years ago is uh, is uh, eat as much as you can in the off season, uh, gain as much size as you can, and then diet off for a, a show. Um, and that was sort of your sort of old school way of eating cakes and whatever else, and it was calorie driven. That's fucking brilliant. Uh, yeah, yeah, certainly it's uh, it's not a bad thing to be in the off season. Um, but but the way the way nutrition research has gone now, and the way we know about how the body works, is that if you if you do start to shift your fat to muscle ratio too high, you actually become insulin insensitive, which means you can't actually gain muscle at the rate you want to. Okay, if you gain, if you if you're using gear, there's you're gonna have an enhanced way of gaining muscle anyway. But if you're trying to do everything right, gaining too much fat so that you throw your your ratio off, so you've got you're gaining fat at a faster rate than you're gaining muscle. Um, you, you'll you'll create a situation where you actually then reduce your ability to gain muscle in, in, in the way that you want to. So so now most people they don't go if they if they can help it too far out of their contest yeah. weight. And if you're talking a 20 stone guy, he'll probably have maybe a, a stone of weight to lose. Um, and I suppose that's also from um, concerns now about people's health. And if you if you're obviously too overweight, that puts pressure on your heart and your lungs and yeah. and your liver and your kidneys and all that sort of thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. So um, so yeah, people have become more sensible now, and they don't generally tend to get people getting really really fat in the off season. Yeah. They. They they look big, obviously they're bodybuilders, but um, the the days of being you know seriously like Lee Priest sort of yeah. overweight in the off season that's um, I think that's sort of finished now. Um, and it, it, you said about Ronnie Coleman, if um, years ago before he was sort of really in, in into professional bodybuilding, um, he was already a genetic freak by then. Yeah. Um, and I think if you look at one of the the pictures of him before, because he used to work in the Arlington Police. So they had obviously quite stringent drug testing, and when he um, became a professional bodybuilder, he he all of a sudden changed his job, so he was more like a, a part-time volunteer yeah. rather than a, on the payroll copper. Um, and I think that's correct. Don't quote me on that before anyone jumps in on the comments. <laughs> You're gonna get yeah. abused. Yeah. The, no one's gonna care how right you are about yeah. gear. The one thing they're gonna say is you fucked up with Ronnie Coleman. That's yeah. gonna be the one thing. So, uh, so I, I'm pretty sure that that that's correct. But um, uh, and that might have been due to the fact that um, there were certain things he had to do to get to um, the the size for Miss Olympia. And you would see one year, I think he was like 19th at the Miss Olympia, and then like the next year he's won it. Yeah. Um, but his just gen- his genetic ability to gain muscle um, is just phenomenal, and you see how much he gained in like three to four years. It's just a ridiculous amount. Um, yeah. 
but he would have employed physicians, doctors testing his blood. He'd have done, I'm assuming, right, at that level, he would have been working with some real good coaches who were checking his, monitoring his blood, monitoring his health, etc. He's not just banging in loads of gear and getting as big as he can. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't, because I don't know him personally, so I can't yeah. go from that. Yes, he obviously did all that, yeah, but, but you would assume. Probably. Yeah, when when it's when you when it's your job and it's your living to to be in condition, big as possible. You know, I, I would presume he would he would take all those necessary steps to to to, to be in good health. Um, and I, I think a little while ago um, there was a discussion. Um, I think Justin Harris posted it about um, he was privy to what actually Ronnie was using um, in his last year. And it's surprisingly not as much as you might think. Well, Dorian Yates was on a podcast not so long ago, um, on the Joe Rogan podcast, and I listened to it, and he was talking about the gear that he took. And, I mean, it's fucking tiny. Like, I know guys who are, like, training at Fitness First who are on more gear, and he he was saying lots of the guys started using insulin, and he tried it, and he didn't like insulin, so he stayed away from it. And some of the stuff he was saying he didn't take, and I was like, fuck, like, you must have been so genetically great because the amount of gear that you... I mean, like you said, the dosage was probably better back then. It was more pharmaceutical, or he was getting better quality gear. But you were saying that the dosages that he was taking, you look at them and the dosage you... You know, that's like a, a bog-standard average course that you would hear of mm. now. And I, I was listening to it, I was thinking, he's either talking bullshit and he's not taking that, which I can't imagine. Why would you go on the podcast admitting you took steroids, admitting you got big, but then lie about what dosage you... I can't imagine he would, so... Yeah, no, not when it's not not when it's not your living anymore and and, yeah. and stuff like that. It's um, uh, I, I know Lee Priest was was also very open about what he used to use, whether or not again, you know, you don't know if it is right or not. But um, if you look at his family line, when he was nineteen, he was already just super super massive, um, and having a little bit of gear in his system seems to just make him huge, like even better. Yeah. So. Um, and that's that's the thing. I think you you look at some of the the guys on stage who are the biggest guys, and you've got to remember that those guys are just genetically able to. It's the same in your sport, where there's people who can just fight and beat people up and get hit a million times and not yeah. get knocked out, and you know they're just indestructible machines. And yeah. it's the same in bodybuilding in any sport. Some people are just made for the sport, yeah. and as soon as you get you know like, like Phil Heath now is just an unbeatable. Mr. Olympia, he'll be Mr. Olympia until he retires. Yeah. And if you looked at him when he was doing basketball, he was already like jacked to fuck all the time, and he, he and then he progressed and took some gear, and like in in three years, he's like the biggest yeah. guy on the planet. It's, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I experience like so. If I Olympic lift, when I'm lifting, people the amount of people who say to me, "Are you taking something?" I'm like, "No." And they're like. You look fucking massive. My body shape changes. Within like three weeks, my body shape will have changed just because I'm lifting the heavy weights really explosively. My body adapts really well to lifting, you know. Other guys are lift and they don't get that. Now, I'm not, I'm by no means saying I'm a bodybuilder. I'm saying from my frame, if you talk to me today and then in three weeks I've been lifting, you'll notice my shape would change. So if you imagine if I was genetically born to put on muscle and lifting really enhanced and I took gear, you're going to really notice that. So you see these guys like um, Phil Heath you just said there like your body was meant to do this that's what it was meant to put muscle on you've now using gear to do that as well everything is set up perfectly for you to look that way and then people are going to take these steroids and they're going to well, I'm taking the same as what Phil Heath yeah you are but you're not you're not yeah. fucking Phil Heath you're just not you could do exactly the same as him you're just not that guy you know yeah and and, and there's um, 
this discussion comes up a lot in sort of bodybuilding world and you'll get people going oh this is my workout plan or this is what i'm doing or whatever and you say well maybe that's a bit too much or look you know trying to help some advice or whatever and their responses are yeah that's what dorian did or that's what ronnie did or something else and yeah but you're not you're not Ronnie and you're not Dorian, obviously, otherwise you'd be jacked to fuck at the moment yeah, because yeah. those are guys that, um, obviously Ronnie Coleman genetically was just one of the, probably the best ever genetically gifted bodybuilder ever. Um, and uh, and Dorian Yates obviously had the, the genetics and, and I, I remember reading his book and he, he researched bodybuilding for about a year, two years, I think, before he even did anything. Um, and then he just applied all the theory and uh, and quite effectively as well, and and he was, I believe, light years ahead in his nutrition um, application. Because um, and and that's what makes me laugh is a lot of people will go, oh, I don't like all this new science because I'm obviously a nutrition consultant and I know about all the new research and stuff that comes out. And we start trying to tell that to people, they go, oh yeah, I don't like all that science. You know, I just do what Dorian did because he yeah. did it old school. Oh. And you go, well, yeah, but actually. Dorian was ahead of his time. He yeah. didn't do what it's everyone else did. It's because of people like Dorian pushing forward. Yeah. Now we're advancing, and if Dorian was active now, he'd be the guy pushing for it to advance more. So yeah. what you're saying is, you're, you're nothing like Dorian, because what Dorian was, Dorian was innovating for that to move forward. Yeah. You're actually doing the opposite to what Dorian did. Yeah, because I think when when um, when Dorian was in his um, sort of prime, or just before he became Mr. Olympia, it was all volume stuff. It yeah. was all... Um, because uh, it was off the back of the Lee Haney and sort of Arnold era, and it was all volume, volume, and uh, and Dorian's training was was a lot less volume. It was more to failure training. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and thing is, we now know from research that's been done about muscle stimulation that you can actually stimulate muscle growth from high reps to failure or heavy weight to failure. Both can have a hypertrophy response. Um, and it's and people go, oh yeah, Dorian, it worked for Dorian or it worked for this. Well, yeah, because they're genetically responded, they responded better to a heavy weight to failure, yeah. or they responded better to a lot of reps to failure. They just found what works for them. But they found it because they tried it. They didn't yeah. read someone's advice and stick to that like it was the golden rule, yeah. and then say, well, it worked for Doran, why is it not working for me? No, because he experimented, and he tried to, and he took it seriously. And it's the same as, you know, I, I can go and I can train MMA, and we can both do exactly the same things. I might just have faster twitch muscles than you. I'm better as an in-and-out fighter. You're more of a walk-forward grinder. You're not going to change your style of fighting. You can make adaptions and make what you have work better, but you're not going to change your style of fighting just because you copy or emulate what I do. You know, there's only been one George St. Pierre. The reason there's only been one George St. Pierre is because he's the only George St. Pierre. Follow his training program all you, all you fucking want. You're still... And it was when Connor fought, fought Mayweather and people said, yeah, but... I think Connor's going to do it where he hits it. And I'm, I'm saying to people, I was saying to people, like, having arguments online all the time, you're being ignorant. They're two massively different sports. Just because boxing's an attribute of MMA, it's miles and miles apart. It's like being, you know, like being good at the dodgems and then racing Lewis Hamilton. That's what you're comparing yourself to, you know? It's not the same thing at all. Yes, Connor might hit him on the chin and he could knock him out, theoretically. However, people are like, Connor, it's really hard. Bit by the best boxers in the world at his weight category. He's not going to hit as hard as Canelo hits. He's not. It's just not going to happen. His footwork. He's not going to move like a boxer after six weeks of training. It's an MMA fighter. We plant our feet differently. We step differently. He can train exactly how Mayweather wants if he wants. He's not going to become Mayweather in six weeks because Mayweather took 
25 years to become what he's become. And then people, that, when it came to it, it was the cardio. Like, yeah, he's not going to gas. I'm like, he will gas 100%. Like, no, he's used to doing five five-minute rounds. I'm like, exactly. His demand from his cardiovascular system is going to be so different going 12 three-minute rounds. You can't... You're asking your body to change and adapt so much for what you've prepared it to do. But yeah, but he's super fit. Five five-minute rounds makes you fitter. I'm like... It doesn't. It makes you fitter at five five-minute rounds. It doesn't make you better at 12 three-minute rounds. Anyway, it panned out exactly as I thought it would, definitely. And I think people then, some people saw like, fuck, how is it so different? How is it so far apart? And I think that's the same with comparing it to bodybuilding, you know? Like, you've done, you're, you're lifting low, uh, high rep, low weight, works really good for you. I lift heavy weight, low rep, works really great for me. If I then transfer and take on your system, could have a completely negative effect. It might not work for me whatsoever. Just because it worked for you, and I've seen you do it, I changed my body, and no, my body's adapted and used to doing heavyweight low rep. Yeah, and I think there's um, there's a, there's a certain um, like genetic trait in there. So, um, year, a few years ago, I had um, a DNA profiling done. Yeah. And um, and and I'm not. This is me not in any way saying the DNA profile is really good because it, it really isn't. So did it say you should be a basketball player? <laughs> yeah. Gonna, if it did, I'm yeah. Like, oh, high jump and long jump was my <laughs> was my uh, was my first choice. Um, yeah. So the um, when I had my genetic profile in done, uh, it showed that my uh, my ability to output power was quite high. But my uh, ability for uh, things like lactic threshold were low, so hence I'm really shit at fighting long longer than two minutes. But if I get you in those two minutes, I could probably kill you <laughs> by yeah, squeezing yeah, exactly. you hard. But yeah. but you know that's that hardly ever happens in anything other yeah. than a door fight, maybe. Yeah. Which um, meant though genetically you were perfect for doing because when I first met you, you were you were fucking a monster anyway. Everyone everyone's like fucking Tom's now you are like fucking King Kong monstrous in size <laughs> in comparison I'd say. Do you know what I mean? You're like look at you and you like you're monstrous. I would say you're the best physically best looking in proportion guy in Bristol who competes at, like I don't I don't follow bodybuilding enough so I can't compare you to everybody else. But if you were to look at the, the local guys who are big, you're the best balanced in shape guy and monstrous compared to what you were when I thought you were monstrous you know you are fucking big which DNA profiling has said your body suits suits being like this you know yeah so my my first um, and cheers for compliments I'll give you the envelope later the <laughs> um, the first choice for my what the DNA profiling said was uh, to be a power lifter but there was also a caveat down the down the list that said that um, my body doesn't uptake a certain protein well enough so that um, my tendons aren't very strong. Mm-hmm. So, and this is this has been shown because I've had a few injuries over the years where I pushed the weight a little bit more than I should have, and and I've got injured. And it's always when I push, say, the one or two rep max type type of lifts. Um, so I never do that anymore. And having a couple of shoulder surgeries and a, and a slip disc has sort of tipped me towards that that belief. Yeah, nothing like a bit of nerve damage to make you uh, yeah change the way you're training. Well, but, well, about five years ago. I, I put a disc out of my neck um, doing um, doing bench press, and it wasn't a weight that I've never handled before, um, and it, w- it was just under two hundred kilos, I think. But I got off absolutely fine, and the next day I had a disc out of my, in, in my in my neck, yeah. um, and it because it pushed the nerve out, it, I just lost all the right side of my muscle. So I went from like once my left side really muscly, and my right side was almost like like a before and after picture. Yeah. Um, so I, and I shrunk all my muscle down, and it took about four years to get it back, uh, which is when I'd done the last the last show. Um, 
but yeah, the uh, in terms of genetics, you, you're right. If you have um, uh, if you have someone who's genetically geared towards being a, uh, a, a like I said, a long-term fighter, so the twelve minute, three times twelve minute rounds or whatever, you know, that's that is definitely not me, and I could never ever condition myself to, to yeah. being like that. But you know, that those people at the top of the game, you you know, you're a very experienced MMA fighter. I'm an experienced bodybuilder. If I said, oh yeah, where's come and train me with some bodybuilding? You'd probably die, and the same as if I come and train with you for an hour, I'd probably yeah. be dead. Yeah, exactly. Um, you you can't take two people who are experts in their fields and then compare them and say, oh yeah, no, he's shit because he didn't beat him in yeah. in his own backyard. I think what what people do is, I think it's disrespectful. Not only so, what people were, I think people were being disrespectful to Conor McGregor in as much as. Conor McGregor was, can disrespect himself in assuming that he can beat Mayweather, which he knew he fucking couldn't beat him. We all know that. He knew. He was thinking, I'll hit him with my left hand and it's going to knock him out. I don't even think he hits that hard. He's not knocking people out with four-ounce gloves on. So I'm looking at it and thinking, he knows. The guy knows. He's a money man. He's making $100 million. I'll say whatever the fuck you want me to say, you know? <laughs> like, you pay me... T- um, there's not a man on this planet who I won't fight for 500 grand. It doesn't exist. I'll fight any man on this planet. So if you're having Conor McGregor, who's at the top of his game, $100 million, yeah, to fight the easiest fight he's ever going to have, which it would have been physically, as in what he's going to have to endure, would have been the easiest fight. It would have been the toughest fight because it's not what he does. But um, I think when people are saying, oh, I think Connor's going to do something, I think you're being massively disrespectful from what it's taken for Connor to be what he is as an MMA athlete. Because that hasn't happened overnight. For him to be where he is as an MMA fighter, the way that his footwork is so perfect, the way his timing's really sharp, the way he lands shots and doesn't throw wasted shots, all of those things have come from hours and hours of tedious work. So... When you then go and say, yeah, I think he's going to beat Mayweather, he's going to go... I think you're massively being disrespectful and saying that, that, yeah, he's just going to go, he's going to walk in, he's going to... Because what he's done in MMA, he would need to do in boxing. And to say that he can just go and do that, I think you just discredited everything that he's done as an MMA fighter to become where he is, you know? And the same, you're discrediting Mayweather in that Mayweather's lived his whole life in... The way he cruised for that fight, you could just—I don't know if you watched the fight because you're not a massive fight fan. I think I, I watched the live stream because I didn't want to pay for it, and, yeah, uh, no, and then it got cut out. I think about midway through, so I didn't see it. <laughs> I went to the walkabout with Tim Hughes, and it was uh, so it was free entry for us because Mike <laughs> let us in, so we watched it there. But it was it just beautiful. It was it beautiful to watch Mayweather fully control. As soon as he settled in and took a few shots, you could tell everything he did was just controlled. This is what what he was meant to do you know this is, I box this is what I do you do MMA and you've got quite good boxing for an MMA fighter and it's beautiful to watch those two things you know and uh, the same as you said if you come into an MMA thing with me you're going to be massive out of your comfort zone and you might hit me with a shot in the first and like first round I might think fuck me I don't want to get hit again but I'll find a way to not get hit same as I'll come and you'll put weights on the ground, you'll lift that and I might think yeah this is fucking good I can lift this weight second set I might be like oh fuck what am I doing <laughs> No, it's just it's so different, so so different. Yeah, it'd be the, it'd be the next day with the bodybuilding workout. You'll yeah. smash it, go, yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, I can do bodybuilding, and the next day you'll be crawling out of bed. Just, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to live anymore. Yeah, <laughs> too much. I miss. I haven't done anything hypertrophy for years and years. Like just because I don't, I don't need. Well, I do Olympic lifting. Pretty much everything I do is Olympic lifting or um, calisthenic wise now for me, especially because of my joints and my neck's been fucked for so long. I've only just started Olympic lifting again. So to do something that pushes my muscles to that extent, yeah, it would kill me. I'm 100 percent sure it would kill me. 
Um, so what are you? Would you be pro aesthetic use steroids? And if so, do you think? Like I personally, for nothing but um, probably ignorance, but I think that people using steroids at 18, 19, 20, they're too young. They don't have a reason to use this. Their body's probably not fully developed. They could put two or three years of working um, working hard in a gym, trying to see where the maximum that they can gain naturally is, then look at doing that. And I think anyone at 18 years old has not had enough time to do that. So they can say, but I'm 18, this is how I look. I'm thinking even you're only just 18. Your, your body's not used to uptaking the amount of food that you might be able to take in the next couple of years. And Would you agree or would you have a different take on it? Yeah, so there's um, there's a certain argument that can be made that your um, your hormones don't uh, normalise until you're around about nineteen twenty. Um, even obviously, you go through puberty thirteen fourteen. It takes a number of years uh, for your body to settle onto what is called homeostasis, so your normal levels. Yeah. Now, the the issue you've got with doing gear at a young age is that um, first of all, your body hasn't settled, so it doesn't know where its normal levels is. When you start adding in things like um, uh, exogenous test or D-ball or whatever, whatever you're going to be using, you you raise up your levels un- unnaturally. So while you're going through that transition period of your body not knowing where to where things need to be, you've got a, a, a super high level. Now the problem with that is it shuts down your own natural testosterone. So while your body's still trying to normalise naturally, you're starting to shut it down. When you come off the gear, which you inevitably will, your body has to then restart its own testosterone. But where does it start it back to? Where does it go back to the natural level? Now, there's there's a certain argument, and you can't research this because it's obviously unethical to do this to teenagers, but there's an argument that says, well, well, if you've suppressed it for a long period of time, how will it know where to restart back up to? So there could be an argument made that it might go up higher than it was because of your levels being higher. There's more of an argument to say that well, if it was up and downing all the way through those years, it's going to settle on the lower amount. It's going to settle on a an acceptable lower amount. So you can't really say for sure, but there is the argument that you're um, setting yourself up for uh, issues later on in life with having low testosterone, um, which has its own follow-on things like heart disease and things like that, which can come from low testosterone as well as high testosterone. Um, as far as aesthetic use goes, um, I think people jump on the bandwagon of taking too much too soon you can get a lot out of a very low dose of test or what most people use is, is anavar which is a very low side effect quite a well tolerated um steroid um it's oral so it's really easy to take so that is generally is the, is the um is the drug of choice for um people who are just looking for say the nightclub physique the the, the weekend bodybuilder are called so they could look good in the chest and their arms on the weekend um, so because it's really easy to take you just take a couple of tablets a day or whatever and you don't have to think about it um, so you don't need a lot to make a difference I think the, the issue comes is when again when you come off you've been that superman that super person you've been able to train really hard uh, and you lose your motivation for for training you can lose your motivation to even eat right and 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 then you're into a black hole and I, and I see that a lot with people saying oh yeah I'm going to get back on the gear because it makes me want to train yeah. harder so, well, you know, that shouldn't really be why you take gear. It should be to enhance already what, you've, what you're doing well. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's just not the mentality of, of, of the everyday man. Yeah, you're lacking the discipline that would have come with a year or two solid hard work training. 
Because, I mean, if you're going to go to the gym every day, train hard, then go and eat McDonald's and go and drink Cokes and smoke and do whatever, you're not going to get the benefit as if you dedicate yourself for a year, ate the right foods and did everything correctly. If you did that for a year and you know, okay, this is what it takes for my body to look like this. So when I take gear, I'm going to have to do all of this as well as taking gear. So then when I stop taking the gear, I have to carry on doing this. People don't because they just... They're going straight in, they're taking their gear without the year or two of working hard and, and building a black... I mean, obviously I've got a long career as a professional fighter, so I, my mentality is like that, and I do live my life like that. Rightly or wrongly, we, we probably disagree on um, sugars and carbohydrates, because I see what you post, and I eat a very high-fat, low-carb diet, <laughs> and for no other reason than I research stuff, and I tried it out for me, and it makes my belly feel great, I don't eat any dairy, so, and then I see you post stuff, and I always question, because I think, motherfucker knows more than I do, because <laughs> <laughs> there's no doubt about it, you know more than I do, 100%, I've read something that goes in line with what I do, I know if I have a slice of cheesecake, I'm going to eat the whole fucking cheesecake. I don't have the, the bit of me that can stop. I know if I have a chocolate bar, I'll end up eating four that day. So I cut sugar. I just My sugar stays really, really low. I don't eat any carbohydrates like potatoes, pasta, rice. don't eat any of that. Rarely, you know. And it works for me. I feel good. And I got it in my mind that, yep, this is how I lived. It's like, But then you post stuff and I'm like, Fuck, he's saying potatoes are good, and he's saying this, he's saying... And I know that you know better than I do, so I read what you put, you know. Um, but that comes off the back of a long career, and I can stay... I can stay so dedicated that I will eat chicken... Like, literally, chicken and cauliflower cheese every day for a week and not crave eating something else. Like, I'll do that. I know this is what I do. I'll eat my food. That was my food. It's fuel. I sit down and watch the TV. I go training. That's how I live my life. Other people are like, Oh, life's too fucking short. I want to eat at McDonald's. I want to do... So if you get a year or two of having that discipline, when you're taking your gear, even if aesthetically, when you come off it, you can maintain that discipline and maintain the physique that you want instead of like, well, I'm off the gear and I'm eating all my shit and I've got absolutely none of the benefits, plus all the negatives and the shit lifestyle as well. Yeah, there's... Um, it's funny you should mention that because... Uh, one of our mutual friends, I uh, uh, Chris, I, I helped him with his yeah. um, prep, and he he said he used to do low carb before, and I gave him a load of carbs, and he was wow. He said he said it was better for his fight. He preferred the loved he, your mate. He followed your diet. The weight cut was the best weight cut I've ever seen him really? do. He flew the weight cut, and so he. I said, "What diet are you doing, mate?" He said, "Well, I've got this new diet." I said, "Who gave it to you?" He said, "Tom." I was like, as soon as he said it, there was no way I was going <laughs> to argue it with it, and he showed me. I was like, in my head, I'm like fucking hell I could never make weight if I ate that but I would never have questioned mm. because it came from you if he said like I don't know fucking my mate Mickey Rambo at the corner gave it to me mm. I'd be like fuck that off and follow what I'm doing but you gave it to him and it worked fucking brilliantly but it's very different to how my diet is not to say that it wouldn't work for me I just haven't tried it you know I think the the issue there is you found what works for you and like yeah. we're talking about with you know before the bodybuilders doing that, what training works for them if that works for you and you can diet on it and you feel energetic and you can win your fights well then who what who am i to come along and say hold on wes that's wrong yeah i work with people who who aren't getting the results they want and and they and they aren't dropping the weight and they aren't getting the fights they want or the lifts they want that's the people i work with then you look at what they're doing and then make make some amendments so it's um it's never a question of me going on to someone who's at the top of their game going mate doing that wrong yeah, yeah. and you see people doing this with like um, say quite big bodybuilders posting videos on Instagram or whatever 
and and you'll get some some guy who's got just fucking no gains at all will go uh, mate uh, you're not lifting that right and the guy's like five times his size yeah. and okay he might be taking gear as well but he obviously knows what he's doing for him so it's not my, my and he place might have to... had a bad day when he was lifting that that set yeah, yeah, like yeah. you could come in and watch me spar and you think fucking hell where's this awful come out the next day lighting everybody up yeah. like just that bad day when you view well, he might have been lifting had a slight twinge in his elbow that he doesn't even recognise means he's lifting his dumbbell slightly off or could be fucking numerous things but for me I would I would come and talk to my diet works great for me I can go from 84 kilos to 70 kilos I know I'm going to do about 7 kilos of water but I know I can diet straight down to about 78 and I know it won't be brutal until I'm under 80 kilos. When I'm under 80 kilos, maintaining my diet at that is mentally stressful mm. because I want stuff. I want to eat the sweet stuff. I want to eat... You know, I eat chocolate every fucking day, Tom. Like, there's no... I'm a sugar phobe because I don't like the inflammatory products of sugar. That's the only thing, from what I've read, I don't. I think the inflammation side of it is bad for me because I get joint problem. So I stayed away from sugar. Um, so... But I eat chocolate every fucking day. Chocolate and cheese are two things. I don't eat dairy, I don't eat milk, don't have yogurt. I eat chocolate and I eat cheese. They're the two bits that never go for my diet, no matter how bad for me they are. You, you do know that, that chocolate has dairy and sugar in it. And sugar, you know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't, I can't bin it though, mate. It's like, do you wear a mask when you're eating it? No, I <laughs> take pride. I look at myself and I feel myself with hatred. With every bite, I know how bad it is. But I can't fucking stop. And I'll eat that all through my weight cut. I'll, literally, two days before I make weight, I mean, and I cut salt to a bare minimum, but I still have a, like a Freddo. I'll eat a Freddo throughout the day, break it into three, and have three bits of Freddo, you know? Like, tr- even going through the weight cut. You know, Freddos used to be 10p, and they're fucking 25p now. 30p. 30p. 30 fucking p. What's going on in the world? A Freddo's 30p. I like a fudge. A fudge has remained 15p. It's not, what, what, a quid now or something? Mate, fucking... I, <laughs> Honestly, I just stick now to uh, expensive chocolate. I can never be disappointed. Then. <laughs> what are you saying about your your diet? So you so you've got your calorie deficit, and you factored in things that you want to, to help you get through the diet, yeah. uh, which is generally the way I work with clients. So we we say, well, what foods do you like to eat? What foods can you not go without? Like your, your treats and stuff like that, and then we just factor that into their diet. Yeah. Um, and just generally, you know. With normal person's weight loss, you can factor in anything you want to get them the weight loss. That's what I do with my PT clients. So if they say to me, can you write a diet sheet? I always say no, because people don't fucking follow them anyway. So I say to them, here's a book, like a little notepad. I've, I've got a few of them. Take it away. For seven days, you write down everything you eat. If your husband's eating a packet of crisps and you take one out of the packet, I want you to write down what time you ate it and that you had one. A nut or whatever. Just... And I know they'll either not fucking stick to it, so there's no point in me writing them a diet sheet. And if they do stick to it, I think... Well, every single night they've had a, one of their husband's crisps. They must like eating crisps. Can we factor some crisps in? They must like eating peanuts. Like, So I'll try and factor that into their diet because they're not trying to be athletes. So a little bit of everything mm. if they want it. It is. And when you've got to, like, performance clients, say, like you and you and Chris, it every calorie counts then. So in, in terms of what, what you need for your sport, in, in terms of glycolytic performance, as in glycogen in the muscle, mm-hmm. that's why... Now that the the shift in a lot of people's diets in MMA is more towards carbs than than, than low fats, but it still doesn't mean it doesn't not going to work. It just means that some people respond better to to carbs. Prime example of this is um is is my my friend Paul. So me and him are both the sort of the same height, around about the same weight, and, and structurally you know quite similar. We're both bodybuilders, and you look at us and think, well, their their diets must be pretty similar, but he diets on pretty much 
no carbs and high fats and he gets into condition that way now if i did that i'd be climbing the walls and i just literally can't i can't diet like that i've got no energy and when we had our DNA tested, um, I know we went off a tangent there. We started talking about DNA, didn't we? And I know. Went I off a tangent. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, when we had our DNA tested, because we both had the, the same things done, um, it showed that Paul was better at metabolizing fats than what than I was. So, so his, his, um, his metabolism of fats in the day uh, was a lot higher. The percentage and the potential was a lot higher than mine. Um, and it, it, it's uh, there's a measure that's called the uh, the RMR percentage. Mm-hmm. So it's how how much of protein, carbs, and fats you burn at rest to get your energy. And mine was something like eighty percent carbs and ten percent fats or something. And here's here's more the other way around. So the way his body's conditioned is to burn fats for energy more than um, carbohydrate. So it could be that that's a similar situation with you and Chris. You know, yeah, yeah. structurally, although he's a bit taller, you're sort of the same sort of structure. You know, quite thin tall muscular type guys but but looking at you think oh, i might be the same diet but actually you got on better with low carbs high fats and he gets on better with, with with high carbs yeah exactly and i've i've not tried the high carb thing and i would love to because i fucking <laughs> lo- i mean i have roast potatoes on a roast dinner if I have, but i rarely have roast dinners you know but like if i have shepherd's pie mine's got cauliflower cheese on top not potato oh. you know like i changed everything i just barely take it and that works for me i have loads of energy i'm always working or training feel great on it eat lots of oils avocados i feel really really good on that and i don't see any downside to it other than the cravings but so why change then yeah, yeah. Uh, because of the cravings <laughs> so I think, oh a nice nice jacket potato would be nice when my brother has a jacket potato in sainsbury's and i'm eating an omelet again mm. like i think jacket potato looks fucking nice but then I like that that tortures me I like the mental <laughs> bit I like sitting there thinking yeah that, I'd fucking love to eat that but I'm not going to I like that so, but I do think athletically this works great for me I don't get injuries you know I, I mean I do get big injuries or I don't get injuries you know um, I'm not getting like little muscle pulls and stuff so I think it works well for me and I'm really happy but I'm a I'm an eater. I want to eat. I want to eat till I'm full, and I want to. You know, you can't have an Indian without rice. So I have rice and onion badges and naan breads, and I eat to a massive overindulgence because I love all those uh, carbohydrates. I love the way they make me feel all bunged up and stodgy. But I just choose not to eat them. You know, so <laughs> maybe I can make it work for me, or maybe it just would never. But I think I'm gonna. I'll look into those tests, and what we'll have to do is you have to drop me an email, a uh, message on Facebook with links to the where you've got your DNA profile and stuff like that done, and I can add that into the podcast, mm. and then people can click on them and they can go and get the stuff the, um, done as well. the 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 DNA thing has been um, has been really um, bastardized now. It's um, it used to be get a DNA test and find out uh, the whole reason it was set up was to was to look for genetic markers of illnesses. Yeah. Um, but that's not really marketable in terms of the general public. So now what they do is they test your DNA and then they give you a diet based on your DNA, which is utter bullshit. Yeah. Because you, for example, I could I could although I'm not very good at doing long distance running or something like that, I could train for endurance. And training for endurance is is obviously different from training for muscle tissue. So your muscle fibers can switch back and forth to type one or or, or type two. <coughs> depending on what sort of training you do. So I, I could go from bodybuilding, all of a sudden I want to do marathon running, and I could do that, and my body would make the adaptions, as in changing some of the muscle fibres, so I could perform more in long-distance training, uh, but I would lose my muscle. <coughs> but that's, but the DNA won't tell you that. Yeah, yeah. You know, So you can't make a diet based on your DNA profile. You can say that 
look, maybe you shouldn't lift super maximal weights because your tendons aren't as strong or you could, because you haven't got this protein that uptakes, which is what I have. Or one of my friends had an issue with a, a B vitamin that wasn't uptaking. So, um, or, and another one had vitamin A. He would, he didn't absorb vitamin A properly. So he had to, so those sorts of things, they're really good for DNA testing. But the way it's been marketed now is, oh, we'll give you a DNA test. Oh, and here's a diet based on your DNA test, which, which is bollocks. bollocks you, you, you can't yeah. do that. So, so I, I I would absolutely not recommend any of your listeners to get a DNA test for that reason. It might be a good to get a DNA test to see if you have genetic markers to see if you're deficient in any of these vitamins or any of these proteins that can uptake the vitamins. That's that's important, and that might improve their MMA performance or or, or whatever else. Um, but don't don't get sucked in by a diet because it's just bollocks. Yeah, and I guess it's. Uh... The, the biggest thing about this, I guess, is the interpretation of the information that comes up from the DNA. Like, yeah. you want somebody who can read that, interpret it for you and your lifestyle, not someone who just reads it and says, oh, well, this is whatever, and send it off, because they don't know nothing about you. Yeah, the technology isn't there yet to say, from a DNA test, um, you should eat this or you should, you should eat that, in terms of performance. It's, it's, it's not there yet. Um, I remember listening to a, a podcast a little while ago, um, on uh, Real Nutrition Radio, and they had a Cambridge genetic expert on there, and he was and he was absolutely precise about what you can and can't test for. Um, although that was a couple of years ago, I'm pretty sure that it's not advanced that much. Yeah. Um, in terms of testing for the RMR, that is something that's that's possibly relevant. So, an RMR test can show how physically fit you are. So, for example, um, if you're a footballer or an MMA person, um, and you want to increase your endurance capacity. You can go and have an RMR test done and a VO2 max test done. Um, and I got mine done at Guru Performance, which is in Mayfair. But I think they also have another one in North Northampton or Norwich. Probably Norwich, I think. Anyway, I'll, I'll send you the links. But um, you go there, you sit with a mask on like Darth Vader for a couple of minutes. You have to sit absolute rest so it determines what protein, carbs and fats you burn. And then you can also do a VO2 max test. So you get on a, a treadmill... <laughs> You go as fast as you can for a certain amount of time and it tells you what your capacity is for exercise. And then you get that retested a couple of weeks. So you make interventions with diet, training, etc. And you come back about three or four weeks later and you get it done again. And the difference between the two is how you've improved. So on its own, it's it's an indicator, but it's not an indicator of any progress. But if you get one done, say, four weeks apart, you can see if your training, if your nutrition has, has, has helped you along that way. Um and the reason the RMR test is important, especially for say fighters, is if you if you have um, an RMR test then when you're in the in the midst of a diet or cut for a show, uh, sort of competition, and your protein um, consumption as energy source is high, well that that gives you a risk in terms of you're not taking enough calories in from say carbs or fats, so you're burning up protein or burning up muscle tissue which is made of protein. So that can be potentially dangerous in terms of you're going to lose strength or you're going to lose um, fighting capacity. So if your if your protein consumption as part of your whole energy use is is higher than what it should be, then you need to adjust your diets to say more calories in or adjust what training you're doing because you might be overtraining, which is again burning muscle tissue. Yeah. So it, I think the RMR test is something like fifty quid, and and if you are at that level where the one percent extra performance will make a difference to you winning or losing. It it might be an idea to get it done because it will give you indications as to well maybe my diet's not hundred percent or maybe my training's a bit too much or maybe this or maybe that. And the people at Guru Performance can give you certain um, 
advice on how to change things to for the better. Yeah. Um, but I, I think the um, the RMR test you can get done at most universities as well you only need like a metabolic cart which is like a little trolley that runs around with stuff on bath university must have something yeah like bath that, does yeah. because they do a lot of study on, um, on on metabolic rates um and i think you might be able to go and pay to to use it um yeah. or well, they would do it for you but um you can i think you can go and pay for that yeah. um but but yeah it's, it's it's if you are competing at a high level where endurance capacity and you know output for a long period of time is, is an issue then, then it's, it, I would say it's possibly worth getting it done if I you're think, at the top uh, level. I think um, for someone like myself, if I was just starting out MMA now, I was unfortunate enough to to be right at the forefront. Like if I was to be starting out, out now, I would look at that immediately. I'd be thinking like, right, how I want to be the best. So I need to get. So I would be looking at doing those sort of things so that instead of trying to eke the last one percent out when I've already hit ninety nine, I'm going to try and hit my hundred percent. By starting now when I've got 10%, you know, I'd be looking at getting that done now at an early part of my career. I think, right, what bit's missing? And I'd tr- just because of who I am as a person, you know, mm. that's what I would try and do. So I think, you know, benefit-wise as an athlete, it could be beneficial to anyone who's starting out or trying to push. I, I, I think so. I mean, it's, there's always the risk that you get into over-testing and you get into... <laughs> yeah too much gizmos and Become stuff Ivan like that. Drago from Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I, I think um, you can get sucked into spending a lot of money on lots of stuff. Um, like, I mean, I don't know if you use things like um, elevation masks and stuff like that. No, but I don't use them. I yeah, don't good. Them. Um, because they've shown not to be very effective yeah. in terms of, you know, actual VO2 output. But I don't like anything that makes me breathe back in my own breath. Yeah. Like I don't like the the breathing back in of moisture. So when it's there, I could feel moisture. Yeah. Like like a condensation almost from my own breath. Yeah. And I could feel that breathing in. And I think my lungs aren't meant to be breathing in that amount. So I, I after two or three times of using it, I stopped. I thought I don't really see the benefit of this. Yeah. Well, myself. The, the, the thing is with elevation masks is elevation training can be really good for because you have less air obviously at the top yeah. of a mountain, so that you have to work harder. But an elevation mask gives you the same concentration of oxygen in the air you just get less air in so you're almost like you're fighting for breath a lot of the time yeah, so yeah. It, it, it doesn't give you the same metabolic adaptions that training on a mountain would um it just makes training harder which yeah. you know i suppose we all like a bit of hardcore so that you know anything that makes training a little bit harder i'm like listen you're not all the people have used them when they come and do our sprints i'm like you will not sprint, complete my sprint circuit without that mask on. I guarantee you won't complete it. Why are you putting the fucking mask on? Like, if your body cannot get you through this sprint circuit already, you don't need a fucking mask. Trust me. And they get on, they can't get through the sprint circuit. And me and Paul Reed, me and Paul Reed came up with a few sprint circuits for a fighting, mm. which everyone who's done them, I said. Yeah, it helped. We've never had a single person who said, "Oh, they don't work for me." Chris is a bit of a freak in that he can do his. Like on the maximum of the treadmill, it's easier for Chris because of his fucking legs are so long. For some reason, they're easier. But everyone who does them is like, I can't fucking complete it. So you don't need a mask on for that, you know. And no. I've trained, I trained in Colorado, and I went to one my first session in Colorado jujitsu. Rolled with like four or five people. It was intense. Black belts. It was intense and no gi. And then everyone wants to call you on because you're the, the new face. Yeah, yeah. So after four, I can I can hardly lift my arms up whilst I'm rolling. And the guy Brazilian guy come up and sit down. And I said two or three rests. And it's different here. The air's thinner. And I couldn't believe how much it hit me. Just doing jujitsu, I can do 
10 rounds of jiu-jitsu if I was unfit I could go and get through them my arms had given up my body was, sh- I was just it, exhausted wasn't um, Denver where the first UFC was is that right years ago or am I, I thinking the, of something no I thought the first UFC was um, in Vegas I don't know years ago when it was Hoyce Gracie that, who, who won the first one was it Denver I'm pretty sure they could only get the license in in once uh, maybe I'm, I'm you know them, maybe right? I'm thinking the wrong but, I, but I now mem- you've said it it rings a bell. <laughs> I, I used to have the 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 original UFC yeah. one two and three videos and obviously the first one was was Hoist Gracie won that yeah, one yeah. Uh, and then the second one I think as well but then the third one was some ninja guy or something Steve Steve Jenner that's right it's a Jenner, ninja yeah, yeah. but um yeah he but they they had to hold it in. I think it was either Denver. I think Denver's in Colorado. Colorado, yeah, yeah. It is, yeah. So and and the ele- the the it was so high. I remember the commentators saying that a lot of the fighters came in three or four weeks early to train to condition for yeah. that because um, it hit a few of them quite hard. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's a little factoid. That sh- yeah, facts. <laughs> that was a fucking good fact. Um, that showed recently in another UFC fight when King Velasquez lost to Verdum as well in Mexico. They were in um, Mexico City, and it, I mean it was fucking high like 9,000 metres like ridiculously high yeah. you know? and uh, Radun went out there for like six weeks or something trained Cain Velasquez who's like the most cardio efficient heavyweight ever like a cardio machine went out there like three weeks before gassed blew his ass in like a round completely blew out Radun's cruising you know like yeah. uh, really showed the difference and I think no elevation mask is going to emulate no. that. I don't see that as any benefit. So I'm with you on the on the you, elevation thing. You get that sort of shit in bodybuilding as well. You get people doing all these. It used to be like like occlusion training for a couple of years ago was like the big thing. And occlusion training is literally when you put like a tourniquet on your arm and then like so so, so you do it. Uh, it's hard to explain this because obviously it's a it's a podcast. But if yeah. you can imagine, you're the ultimate warrior with bands around your. I round, often do. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so you you've got bands around your your elbows and and maybe a band at the top of the bicep, and then and then you train so you you can you restrict the blood flow. And then you train so that so there's more blood held in the muscle when you train it. Yep. And the idea is you stretch the fascia and you blah 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 blah. There's some science to support occlusion training possibly helping in recovering injuries so you can train at a lesser weight and still get the same stimulus. Yep. But you've got every dickhead personal trainer tying their lemon uh subjects legs up or arms up and yeah, let's do some reps and it's like, mate, just lift that weight and lift yeah. it to failure. Don't constrict your guy up so that he can't move um so yeah there's loads of that stuff in every and i, I think like rock tape is is also quite popular in, in a few circles and you know, shouldn't use that when you really um when you really yeah, injured. i think it's people and in particular shit pts like a niche <laughs> they like something like a niche you know and then you get it also in good pts they mm. want to be the guy who uses this and some people are making a van like when Conor McGregor was using that guy, the movement coach, so everyone got a movement coach. Mm. Everyone's fucking got a movement coach. Listen, the movement coach helps yeah. Conor McGregor, and it just was wicked for him. Yeah, really good, but it is a fucking gimmick. It is a niche, you know. Like it's not gonna. You can't go and use a movement coach and neglect your jujitsu. Yeah. It's not gonna fucking work. Do you remember when when uh, when Eubank fighting years ago told everybody he had this hypnotherapist, yeah, which, yeah. which could make him not feel pain and not and you know I could never get knocked out because my guys conditioned me to just just destroy everything in front of me. Yeah. And I think I can't remember who fought, but the he, the guy was so mentally demoralised before we got in the ring that Eubank just destroyed him. Yeah. And um 
and 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 the funny thing is, I, I I've done hypnotherapy and I've qualified as a hypnotherapist and an, and an NLP coach, and you can't, you really can't condition people like that. You can make them more focused and more aggressive, but if someone gets hit on the chin, oh, they're away, they're, they're knocked out. You know, you can't, 100%, yeah. you can't like, oh, I'm going to hit you, you hit me again. You know, it, yeah. that doesn't happen. It, it's if you get hit in the right spot. You know, your brain reverberates. You're on the floor. I mean, you, the, as soon as you hit that nerve, is it the temporal nerve that runs here? Yeah, so down you, the jaw. Down yeah, the yeah. jaw. As soon as you hit that nerve, or it like you stretch it, or you send a shock wave to the brain, mm. you're out. You can't build the brain. You can't, like they say, don't they? You can't develop your chin. That's yeah. what I'm saying. But and that's the fucking truth. Like you can have as mentally strong will as you want, but if my shin hits you on the chin bone, you're gonna sleep. Yeah, that's yeah. Just the, and if I choke you. No matter how strong you are, you're going to sleep. That's how it is with everything. Yeah. Like, the hypnotherapy is good for positive thinking and keeping you focused. Keep, get up, uh, listen, you're, Chris, you're, back, you're not walking through everybody. That's just the way it is. Yeah. You know? it's not- it was just that. It was just that advertising wasn't the marketing. He beat the exactly. guy before he even got in the ring. And yeah. um, Tyson yeah. did it, didn't he? Exactly the same thing. Did Tyson didn't have to do anything. All he had to do was be snarly, big, and because everyone was saying how bad he was, so he'd yeah. walk to the, went on the walk to the ring. He'd just be so focused. People were shit scared before he even fought them, you know? Just, like, shit scared because everyone had said that, you know, he was this big arm, yeah. and he happened to be that as well. Yeah, but yeah. the same thing, you tell, you convince other people, like, yeah, I'm doing this, and this is the next best thing. People mm. are on the bandwagon, you know? Did you, did you, um, I saw one, I was on Facebook scrolling through, all those bloody clickbait stuff that come up, but there, there's a clip of Charles Bronson fighting in a white yeah, Have you seen yeah, that clip? Years ago, yeah. It's, it is shit clip, shit, isn't it? Yeah. But um, I was looking, I'm thinking... God, I've seen. I mean, obviously, I don't want him to hear this and try and break out of prison and beat me up. But <laughs> I was thinking, thinking, God, that doesn't look as if he's really going for it in in that fight. He's got some good. He does hit obviously quite well, but you know, you think, look at some of the fighters I've seen. You think, God, they they, they can have a round. And that guy doesn't look as if he's having oh, he'd a get real round. Fucking, dist- he'd get like yeah. he's a he's an aggressive guy, an aggression. Can some it can be it can get you in trouble or it can get you out of fucking trouble. Mm. He's a guy who's super aggressive, not really scared, but that is it. That's what he's got, you know. Mm. He's aggressive, not really scared, and he can throw a punch. He's not a fucking professionally trained boxer or someone who's got decent. He's not even a guy who's got decent hands and all those other attributes, yeah. you know. So he's relying on the fact that he's a big aggressive guy mm. who who's willing to fight, you know. Uh, I'm you glad through. you said that, Wes, because when the guy gets out of prison. He's coming for you, not me. No, I'm just relying on the fact that he's been living in a six by four, so I can run faster. Than him. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'll fight Charles Bronson. People are going to put the money up. It's got to be worth a hundred grand fight, right? I might get semi-detached out of this, mate. I'm not wrong. Fight Charles Bronson. You could have all disabled access as well afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. Yeah, like, I might need it on the way in. To be fair, with this neck. Um, no, mate. Like we, uh, we agree on so many points, and what I like is that you. I'm I'm making not claims or I'm not advising because I'd rather not ever fucking advise people if I can. But I say stuff just on the back of what I research and how I live my life and how I train. So to have someone like yourself who who backs that up or thinks similarly because you are to me you would be my go-to guy. You know, if I want to talk about taking gear, if I want to talk about lifting weight, for you would be my go-to guy, mate. You know, I know a lot of guys in the area and in the sport, etc. But you would be my first stop because of your knowledge. So to hear you sort of mirror a lot of my beliefs is good for me, not in an egotistical way. It's good for me because I'm going to fucking... I I do a podcast. I want to talk to people. And if people are saying to me, like, uh, you know, I think this, I think that, I want to understand why they think that way. Or, 
you know, I guess it comes from being inquisitive and loquacious. I like to talk to people and understand. So you do that very well, you know, and I think this hopefully will, will get you, people who don't follow you can follow you and they'll understand a bit more. And, you know, people, the evolution of the sport, that's got to be replicated now in the evolution of training and nutrition and I just think that's where we're going. We're, I don't think we've ever been as fit and as healthy as a species as we are a modern day species. You know, if we go back to Paleolithic, they were probably a lot healthier and a lot fitter. But and in a modern species, I don't think we've ever been as health conscious or fitness conscious as we are right now. So with that evolution, I think it takes knowledge like your own as opposed to, you know, Dan who got a city and guilds who's teaching them fitness first. <laughs> I think your knowledge is a lot more applicable. And... Uh, like for people who don't know as well about the gym like ministry of fitness gym over here is like it is the largest independent uh, gym in the yeah so there's um there i think you fit in cardiff is the next biggest independent gym um as in my this sort of size because ministry yeah. is about fifteen thousand square foot yeah. um and i think you fit's about twenty thousand um yeah so it, it's um there's not a lot of really big gyms around the country um, and that's because gyms generally don't tend to make a lot of money for the people who own them. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a hard environment to compete against, especially with you know the pure gyms and everything else. Ten or a month shit and stuff like that. Yeah, it, it can be. I think the um, and I suppose this is relevant to say MMA gyms as well and MMA um, uh, dojos is that you pay for the experience and the atmosphere yeah, exactly. and the quality. So you know, <laughs> if you wanted to learn how to fight properly, you wouldn't go to a pure gym class run by a guy who's been PTing for a year. You go to somewhere that has a competing fighting guy for 10, 20 years and he knows what he's talking about. So that's where we sort of compete is, um, is ministries, a niche market for, uh, people who actually really want to train here. Um, so we don't get say five guys at a time on a cradle crossover or, you know, stupid stuff you see in other, other gyms. Yeah. But like what you do benefit from is as you see on your Facebook and stuff regularly, you're trying to develop the gym and make it better for the people that train here as where the people behind a pure gym, etc., are looking to make their their tax returns better in there. They're looking to make their income and expenditure better. They're trying to earn money and make profit, which inevitably everyone is just in a business, but you're basically, you are 100% trying to improve the environment here for the people that train here and give them the best in return for their money. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's obviously because I've been bodybuilding for years and I like training. So if if there's other kit that's come out which is which is good for training, I'll, I'll generally tend to buy it. Yeah. Um, just the fact that I like training, I like lifting, and um, every member who comes here likes training, whatever their sport. Because we're not just bodybuilding; we've got like powerlifters, we've got boxers, got people who do running, triathletes, yeah. loads of different things. Don't really have too many MMA guys because that's more specialist area um, yeah and we don't look we don't generally lift a lot yeah and uh, if we do we lift specific so i would have a lifting coach let's say if i was going to yeah. go lift who taught me the limpid lifts and i do a lot of my limpid lifting on my own um so yeah that that maybe doesn't cross over but what you have here is you have serious guys who want to train you know like, even if it's just your your aesthetic guys who come in to look good they come here because it's a no bullshit gym you come in here and you you train you're not doing your hair in the mirror because there's a really hot girl behind you on the step up stepper you know that's not the sort of environment here but at the same time it's not the sort of environment that you should be scared to come and train it's a friendly atmosphere it's a it's the but if you're training if you're trying to develop your body and get the body to be the best you can even if it's just a pump on a friday night if you want to develop your body and look good 
come to an environment where everybody thinks the same, you know? And I think it's a great environment. And I, like, I've obviously trained fucking everywhere, you know? Yeah. And like I always say to people, like, it's hard. Like, I'm sponsored by Trojan Nutrition, and I have been for like 15 years. And I train a lot at Trojan, who's an amazingly brilliant gym. And you're an amazingly brilliant both different ends of the city which is perfect you know because i think what you offer and what they offer is so, so similar and that you have a family group environment within your gym and you're not just a member of ministry of fitness you're a part of ministry of fitness you know yeah uh, trojan is a good gym and uh, and uh, matt's put a lot of effort into into developing that gym because i used to train at the old pro lab gym yeah. when um, when that was open where so obviously trojan started yeah. Um, and he's he's developed the gym and took took out of that little shop thing and put it into a, a big unit. Um, yeah, he's. Um, I think he's, he, he, you have to get the right person running an independent of course, gym. Yeah, definitely. Um, someone with a love for the for, for the sport. Someone with love for lifting. Because um, I said they're not they're not massive money makers. Um, yeah, I find that out with an MMA gym. Like, yeah, and it, what it did for me, mate, is. It killed me. Like my fighting went up at that time. I went five fights unbeaten, and I had always had guys in the gym training. And as a team, Olympians MMA, we've never been better as a team. Mm. We were like twenty-one and oh as a team or something for a while, and uh, it was fantastic. But mentally, it was so absorbing for me because financially, it was draining. Even to the point of someone can't make a class tonight, but I'm not there. So now I got to try and find someone to cover a yeah. class. And all of those things, whilst you're trying to be something other than a gym owner as well, was fucking so mentally stressful. So to see someone like yourself, and it's... Like, I'm not sat here blowing fucking smoke out your ass, but you deserve smoke blown out your ass <laughs> for what you've done here, you know? Because it is... When you first opened it, it was a big ambition back... Like, it was a massive ambition to open a gym like this, but then you didn't just open it and do well with it. You've continually developed it. So mm. I think it is... You do deserve to have smoke blown out your ass for what you've developed and for the way that you've maintained... You've maintained it being how it was originally, as opposed to trying to get the money out and develop and going off somewhere else and do you've kept this exactly what it was meant to be but you've developed it as that you know it's a great facility to train at. and uh, like you've opened your doors to me and all my fighters when i've messaged about tom i got a fight can i come yet yeah, boom you is yours mate it's not what you're being used hmm. go and use not why where's you're gonna need 20 quid to, boom you go use it boom we're mates you know good and that's really helped me and you've supported chris all through his training been been great mate you know so to uh, add that Wes paid me in sexual favours I didn't give him anything for free there <laughs> mate, no, listen, no one gets anything for free if, if I'm paying you in sexual favours you're cheap <laughs> <laughs> you are cheap um, I believe you're busy right mate so we have to uh... yes I, uh, I've i got a couple of clients coming in in a short while and I've got to do some nutrition plans and I think I've got to record about 20 two minute messages for people who filled out my Christmas survey so yeah busy busy yeah I, uh, I'm gutted because I literally mate we we evolved from one to the next <laughs> there so I know that we could just continue this for for hours but what we're going to do I think is get this one wrapped up get it released and it'd be great to catch back up with you again in the new year not give it too long a period and cover some more subjects you know yeah whatever maybe feedback from this one if people want specific questions answered I can go into that it's um yeah absolutely yeah, be, be great. Uh, anybody you want to thank or promote or anything, mate? Or are you all good? Um, I don't think so. It's um, I think I've mentioned everybody who who is associated with me, but yeah. <laughs> I've not got a sponsor. I'm not good enough for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, mate, well, listen. Thank you very much for joining me, and I'm looking forward to putting this one out, and I'm looking forward to doing it again. Lovely. Thanks, mate.